Hey, what's up? Welcome to the Wedding Pros Podcast, and today I got a very special guest. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this, if you don't know, this is Jordan Bunch from Film Mavericks. Um, Jordan, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and what you do? Okay. Uh, I'm from Austin, Texas, and uh, born in, born and raised in Texas. I'm a Texas boy. Everybody who knows me online knows that I'm like, I'm like kind of a fanatic Texan. Love Whataburger and uh, lots of land and beef, mm. tacos. All good things. Yeah. You exactly. know, I can, I'm going to bond with you right now a little okay. bit. My dad's from Texas. Nice. Yes. My, so grandparents, like, uh, are, my grandparents are buried in McKinney. Nice. You're like at least a quarter Texan then. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yep, yep. Uh, I'm also a uh, wedding and commercial filmmaker um, and recently a documentary filmmaker as well, which is super exciting and definitely like something we're leaning harder into. Um, I definitely feel like the most fulfilled in that work that I felt in a long time. So, yeah. Very cool. Um, so this is wedding pros podcast. Obviously we were, you know, wedding creatives focused, but I think it, and so the question I have for you is how did you get into wedding filmmaking? I like to ask this to everybody because I feel like everybody's journey is a little different. Yeah. It's funny. We were talking on the car on the way from the airport. Uh, and you were talking about like, you know, oh yeah. Cause those guys, they're not just like those people who started in photography and they're like, oh, I can make an extra buck. Well, I'm that guy nice. who started in photography. Very cool. Um, you know, uh, actually that, that's sort of quasi true. You know, like when I was in, uh, college, I did get like this little, uh, handy cam and I would make like these little commercials for my church, you know, like we're going to have like a you know, some type of a retreat or something for the college ministry. And I'd make like a spoof of those, uh, Geico caveman commercials. You remember those? Oh yeah. So we'd get a guy in like a gorilla suit and, you know, kind of do a spoof of those. And, uh, you know, we'd make some like home videos, like the, you know, like a little horror, you know, kind of fake horror films. And that was always really fun. But then I got like a, you know, my first DSLR and was doing like some wedding and engagement shoots and stuff like that. And then I saw a wedding film. It was by... Who was your, who was your first wedding film? Uh, Clint Brock was the first wedding filmmaker I saw. Uh, his name his thing is Candlelit Films and he's in Dallas. Um, I was living in Abilene, which is like three hours away out in the desert sort of. Um and anyways, I saw one of his films on Facebook and I was like, holy crap, you know, and I cried watching this film. And it's just like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a softie. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. you know, um, I'd cry at Bambi, except I'm a hunter. So, um, but I, I definitely just, you know, sort of like broke down. And I remember thinking, you know, I have never seen a wedding photograph that brought this kind of emotion out of me this is something like I should pay attention to the fact that I had this kind of an emotional reaction to this guy's wedding film that he made. So, um, I was like, I wonder if I can do that. So I called up a, um, a couple of wedding venues that were in town and I said, actually at first I just called one. Yeah. I just called one wedding venue. I said, Hey, I want to try to make a wedding video. And I'd worked there as a photographer before, you know, so they knew me. It's like, is there anybody who's getting married and needs to be in the next 30 days at your venue that doesn't have anybody shooting video? I'll come shoot it at the end of it. If they like it, they can pay me. If they don't, they don't have to. Like, I just want to do it, you know? So that's how I got started. 
Yeah. We, I remember when we started, I was like, anybody really good looking getting married? <laughs> I asked some friends of mine, they're like, oh, yeah, this one really good looking couple. And we've made one wedding film. We booked a whole season off of it. Nice. <laughs> it was like, but um, and we had no idea what we were doing. But, well, we kind of did. Yeah. But not really. So, um, you didn't what you you did wedding films. How long have you done wedding films? Um, since 2011, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we're I think we're around 2010, maybe. Yeah. Um, and at some point, so if you don't know, um, Ladybird Studios, that's your your wedding brand. Yeah. And at some point, you went from just you, or maybe you and someone else, to you and someone else and someone else. And at some point, demand. How did you make that decision? to go from just being kind of an artist model to more of a studio? Did it happen organically? I mean, how did that happen? Yeah, so I had another company, Jordan Bunch Productions, and I was, I mean, it was just me, you know? I mean, I would bring on second shooters, but it wasn't even consistent, like, who I would bring to the wedding with me. Randos. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I had, like, a roster of, like, five people that I would choose from, you know, who's available kind of thing. Um, But... Uh, then I had kids and I'm always like, uh, uh, you know, thinking about the future, what's next, what, what's the next five, 10 years going to look like actually even beyond that. Like I talk with my wife about like positioning things now for, you know, what does life look like when we retire, even like to the down to how many kids do we want to have? Like, okay, right now it might suck having, you know, three kids that are five and under, but what's that like, you know, once we're once we're done and empty nesters and like, you know, so I'm just like a forward thinker like that. So I actually started Lady Bird with a buddy who, you know, a, a couple of years later, um, I ended up buying him out of his part of the business. But um, yeah, I just wanted to create extra income. And I started off with a really different kind of model than what we shifted to. Um, but that's kind of how we made that transition. I don't think anybody, maybe not nobody, but People who are doing well, um, who who end up doing a like a large volume of weddings, and I got to think of a better way. I, we say studio model, other people say uh, volume model. I don't think, to me, volume model is pejorative a lot of times. And yeah, a studio is a very good thing because a studio has culture, a studio has training, a studio has an yep. approach and a look, a feel. A volume model could literally look different every wedding, right? And so we consider it a studio model, and I think people who end up leaning into more of a studio model for what they do. I don't think a lot of them are like, I'm going to start a studio. Yeah. You know, we, one thing I know we did when we started stock Go love is we definitely did say, I don't want anybody to ask for me. I want them to ask for the brand. Yeah. That was a big part of like my thinking. And I remember being like, dang, why did I name this company after myself? You know? And really the only reason I did is because I was, you know, I went through a period of like not being creative enough to come up with something better that didn't sound terrible. <laughs> you know, it was like everything I came up with just sounded super cheesy or like a ripoff of someone else that I knew. What is it like? <laughs> it's, it's funny to me. There's some bad names out there yeah. in our industry. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. It's hard, especially like when it's, you know, centered around weddings. It's kind of hard not to because everything, you know, so many names like it, it sort of leans into that cheese, you know. Mm-hmm. But there are some there's some great ones too. Like I'm I'm super jealous that uh, uh, of film poets. Like I think that's just like the best name in yeah, the, they did in a the great industry. Job. Like that's an epic name. There's a lot of them. 
Um, but then there's a lot of cheesy ones. It's hard to come up with a good name. Branding, yeah. that's a whole other topic. Yeah. Um, so you guys, um, I mean, I don't think this is a brag. It's just so people get a perspective, what it means for you as a studio. What's an average wedding season look like in terms of volume and, and kind of how do you pull that off with your team? Yeah, we live in, in Austin, so the weather's good. Um, you know, it's you could get married outside realistically, you know, 10 to 12 months out of the year. I mean, you know, it's it's that kind of weather. Sometimes it gets really hot. And so like in, in August, it's maybe a little bit slower. Whereas other other time other, you know, it's probably super busy here in August, right? I would say August is our third most busy month. Okay. Um, and that's probably one of our slowest because it's just so stinking hot. And, and, and Austin is beautiful outside and there's rolling hills and it's just there's amazing landscapes and a million wedding venues out there that are you know primarily outdoor focused and so a ton of our weddings are outside um but you know on a slow month we might do six weddings and on a busier month uh you know we could have 18 to 20 weddings so there's a there's a range last year we did 35 weddings in september Holy smokes. Yeah, that that definitely beats us. That was, <laughs> it was crazy. We did we do September October, we do about 60 to 70 weddings. Oh my gosh, that's Be- impressive. Cuz it's fall. Yeah, in New England. But y'all you guys have to like cram it in a little bit more, right? Because there's more mm-hmm. off seasons, right? Oh, because it's smoking hot in July. Yeah. Muggy is anything okay and then and August is actually pretty smoking hot and then everybody wants to get married with foliage. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And so you just you do make, you have like a winter season that's pretty off, or you're still busy? So in the we this year's better because we worked on it a little more. Okay. When we were like, we don't want quite as. The good thing for us is we book almost all our weddings from January to March, so we get all the deposit money. A a, bit, a brand like ours, yeah. But, and but we book. We end up doing like, I'll probably do a couple of New Year's Eve weddings every year, one or two. And then we'll do like maybe four or five in November. Maybe, I think maybe we have four to six from January to February. Mm. That's it. Okay. So like for us, yeah, our cash flow is really tricky. Yeah. Because it's like. Right. And then you're kind of, so that's why we have the commercial side of our business where we're we're hopefully 20% retainer or more from commercial clients. And then we have our commercial work right. and then we have our wedding. I really break it into deposits and second deposits. Yeah. Cause that's how you have to think about it. Cause it's sometimes 18 months apart. Right. And so like, but that's way distant for us. And we, we, we will probably book in every year we book in season about 30, 40% of our weddings in season. Yeah. Well, that's what I was asking because you know, I don't know you guys are way different from, sort of the, the standard uh, wedding filmmaking company. But I, I see people on Facebook and stuff. They're talking about like, you know, in early November, they shot their last wedding and they won't shoot again until March. And I'm just like, whoa, that's a really different like it's, a schedule. And it's not that they are, you know, they're people who are doing great work and they're running a successful business um, that's, you know, sustaining them and all that. But it's just like, the weather or their business model or whatever the case is it provides where they have like four months off i'm like whoa that's weird <laughs> yeah so we have had that okay yeah and it's not because we want it i don't yeah. want just people don't get married they just like 
or or like it's just such a few amount of people like right. we've worked on it we we've put some effort into trying to get these bookings we've hustled a little more with our planners and like just it's been an effort to try to actually fill those times in but we have to i mean think of it this way we're doing 120 weddings basically from may to october hmm. yeah like what is, what is that like seven months yeah, something like that. So we're doing like four seasons of most people in seven months. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> so anyway, so you guys, you're, you do a, a good volume of work and, and you have a really solid team. Tell me a little bit about your team. Like, what's that like team building for you? What does that mean? So I also, this is one of those areas where I'm like way different from most people. I know like whenever I see people looking online, usually they're looking for people who have a lot of experience. Maybe they have like similar gear to them so it would match. And they're sort of like trying to find somebody who's, you know, mostly an equal. And I went a really different route. I looked for really good people who had uh, creative dreams and aspirations, um, but, you know, little to no experience behind a camera. Guess what? So do we. Hey, it works out, huh? It's the best way to do it. I would. So I heard somebody say it, it was a photography workshop and they were saying they were talking about they do a volume model or they do a, a team based model, but for photography. Right. They said it better than I could have. So, but honestly, I don't remember who said it. So I would give them credit if I could. But they had said basically when they try to get a team person, they look for, they say there's like three basic types of people. There's a person who is inexperienced and totally green. And they, like you said, they have a creative dream. Then there's a person who is burnt out. They've done creative work and they just don't want to deal with the business side. They just want to do the part that they want to do. And then there's a person who's just moonlighting and they're trying to pick up extra bucks. And they're like, you can get somewhere with person one and person two. But if you build your business on person three, yeah, somebody who's just trying to make money off of you, you are going to have a really unstable business. They're like, we won't work with that person. Yeah. And I can tell you this, I don't work with that person either. I don't, I don't want to work with person two either. I don't prefer um, person two, but I've, I've, I, I have had one or two occasions where somebody was like, I just, I like what you do. I just want to be part of a company. I just want to work with people and be in a culture. I suck at business. And that yeah, worked out. Well, okay. that's a little bit different than I'm burnout creatively. Right. Oh yeah, sure. They're more burnt out. Um, I should say, entrepreneur as entrepreneurs they just don't feel they're entrepreneurs but they right. are creatives yeah yeah actually marshall who's uh, on the other side of the camera over there um was the only person who i have hired out of film school mm -hmm. um well out of a four-year film school i actually recently hired somebody who was like in a uh, kind of a separate a separate deal um, but even he was super green he kind of came from an audio background but was very green to video but pretty much everybody else like I hadn't really touched a camera and part of why I did that was because I didn't always do that. And I hadn't had an experience of hiring shooters who came with their own gear and like had a portfolio and a website and do all you this guys stuff provide all the business. gear as well. We do. Yeah. So do we, yeah, that's <laughs> actually the secret to scaling. Yeah, no doubt. Um, well, and the, you know, the thing that I kept finding again and again was I was, you know, paying these guys good money to come shoot these weddings for me and I would end up using like 95% of just my footage. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh man, you know, I gave him a lot of money for a little bit of footage that I could have done without. Mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, I kind of got to the point where I stopped hiring those people and I started just bringing my buddy along with me and was like, you're just going to carry my stuff for me. And uh, during the ceremony, you'll make sure that that camera's still in focus, but don't change anything else. Well, that, <laughs> so what we do is I hire 18, 19, 20 year old kids. And I say, you're my assistant. And if you're good at that, maybe I'll let you shoot. Yeah. And, and I'll, so literally carry my bags, make sure this camera stays on. Other than that, I'm going to teach you some stuff. And so as the season rolls on, we meet and we go like, Hey, let's, let's review their performance. Who has promise? Hey, let's start encouraging them to do the audio more. And so we, and we actually run a little camp for assistants as nice. well, where we train them on, here's how to plug into an audio setup. Here's how to set up a tripod. Mm-hmm. Here's how to balance a gimbal. Yep. Basic stuff that, is way it's fun fundamental and foundational and all i focus on is hustle yeah for the first probably 30 weddings i'm like you're you're moving too slow you don't know the cadence you need to pay attention to the schedule yeah and do you work hard and do you work fast and are you willing to run yeah and if they're willing to do those things i'll be like go shoot the guys yeah and then i'll be like hey do you want a second shooter job we'll pay you a little more oh yeah if they do that we don't let a guy lead shoot for us until they've probably shot at least 40 to 50 weddings uh, yeah, that's, I'm sure that's true for us. It's gotta be in that ballpark, right? Marshall. Yeah. Cause we give our lead shooters the phone call of the bride after we sell. We're like, this is your shooter. Oh, okay. Yeah. We don't do that. Um, but there is like, and it's not that they, you know, the 40, the 40 to 50 or whatever the number is, that's not like a number that no, we're necessarily it's counting. Not a hard, yeah. It's just like, that's usually how it ends up working out. Um, mm-hmm. and some people, we have some people in our company who like actually like, they don't really have any aspirations of being a lead shooter. They, they want to be a second shooter and we get great stuff from them, mm-hmm. but they've got, you know, they're uh you know, they're a preschool administrator or, you know, they work in a retail store that they love or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we kind of have this mixed bag of people who are just like, you know, like they're either full time with me or they, you know, um, are, are part time, but are trying to move to full time with me. Mm-hmm. Or it's just a really fun thing, a creative outlet, and they've got their other career. How cool is it, too, when you work with, like, a kid who's in college and they're making way more money than all their friends shooting? For, like, for us, it's very seasonal, right? Right. So when you get home from college, you shoot for the whole summer. They'll be going back to school, and their friends will be telling them how much they made. And they're like, I made three times that much. Right. And I was like, I love that feeling. Like, as a entrepreneur and as a business owner and as, as a person who I think is outputting value to the world. Right. I'm like, I'm making this guy's dreams come true. Yep. And I'm getting him paid. Right. And I'm making money. And it's like a win, win, win. Yep. And it's like, I think that's, if you're looking and you're going like, hopefully you're seeing the softer side, if you're listening to this, of a volume model because there's that side that I think every other people don't like. We were talking in the car about there's these savage companies that are just soulless that who knows how much of the film they even touch. Like you were saying, they're booking agencies, right? Right. Yep. That's not what we do. Right. We're people first. We're client first. We don't, I would never hire someone to work for one of my clients that I did not know intimately. Yeah. When, uh, you know, at least the, the core part of my team, like the, the full-time people and the, the other people who are like, you know, that far integrated, um, very much feel and, and use words like family mm-hmm. to describe the team. Um, and that is just a very different kind of thing altogether. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what, 
whenever I, you know, I go to a lot of workshops and, and conferences and, um, and so I you know, get around and talk to a lot of people and that's what the vast majority of our people, of the people in this industry are longing for that they don't have mm-hmm. is that kind of, uh, uh, of a relationship with a peer, you know, because most people are kind of having to do this on, on their own. Um, you know, maybe they have a partner, maybe it's their spouse or maybe they have a buddy who just comes and shoot with them. But having like that kind of peer to peer relationship that we get to have by having a studio is just like amazing. And, you know, I, I long for more people in this industry to have that. I know that their lives would be enhanced. Their, their work would be enhanced by it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our certainly has. Yeah. I mean, that's, and I feel like you find that the rules get stretched in a good way when you get around other people because your mind gets opened up to possibilities, right? And you start thinking like, okay, where are we a little slow? Like literally something I'm having, and this is so nerdy, but it's like this conversation about like our data chain, where is it slow? What would happen if I made it a little faster? If I got all our weekend off like uploads done by by 10 a.m. instead of 11 a.m., like you're, you're calibrating at that level. Yeah. And like, and, and that guy's like, Oh, that'll make my life so much easier because then I can get it to Caleb before he left and it gets, and then we would have some recap done by the end of the first day. And like, Mm. you're having those conversations that are quality of life conversations for other people, but also for your clients. I know for me, if it was just me, it wouldn't, wouldn't matter when I got my uploads done because nothing else right. is getting done for that day yeah. very effectively, especially if I'm we're uploading four to six weddings of content on a Monday. Yeah. I'm done. Like, if it's just me. But if I have a team, my clients are better served, and then we all feel more fulfilled, and the guys are seeing their work being put out into the wild and all this cool stuff. And it's like, that's a kind of conversation about, like, literally just what is the benefits slash negatives about like upgrading our NAS or switching to 10 gig ethernet cables or using a certain lens. Yeah. That I'll give you the real world example. This season, there's this one guy who's shooting and I think he's 21 years old and he's shot with us for two and a half years. He's a really good shooter, really good shooter. And, and I was looking at some of his stuff and he does this one thing with a gimbal and I was like, everything, that looks good. Why does that look good? And and then I'm like, oh, actually, because he's short. So, <laughs> hey, I like his point of view. Yeah. And second of all, I'm like, this looks so much better. And you must be so close. He's like, I don't want to use that lens. Everyone else uses this one lens on the gimbal. That's right. how we do it. You shoot wide. Yeah. 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 And he's like, yeah. I don't like that lens. Yeah. It doesn't look good. He's like, I only use the 50. Yeah. And I was like, let's do that next year. So we sell our 24s. Everyone, I want that look for, for our gimbal stuff. Yeah. That happens because I'm collaborating with a 21-year-old kid and respecting his opinion just as much as I respect my own. Yeah. And letting him actually experiment and not being a jerk, but also, like, listening. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. We're in an office, or you're in an office, you're in a studio. One of the cool things that happens, and, and I know this is a value of yours, because, you know, we were spent some time at Vision Quest. You did a, a really... I'm sure that totally floored some people, your session at Vision Quest, because it was pretty unexpected. Yeah, nobody expected that. For basically, sure. if, if you weren't there, he basically, I don't know, describe what you did, basically. Uh, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to describe uh, that in, in a 
in a small part of a podcast. I mean, basically, we did what my team has, my team and my family have made a regular practice in our lives, uh, which is understanding, listening to each other, but also communicating um, what's happening inside of ourselves. So, you know, it's pretty normal. What in was a that? Family. A- a- um, the acronym sachet. Okay. Um, so stands, what does that stand for? for? Sad, angry, scared, happy, excited, and tender. And it's the it's the six major emotions that you can say. You know, you can point anything you're feeling back to one of those things. So, you know, it's pretty normal in a family. I'm feeling excited about going to the Patriots game with you tomorrow. I'm feeling, uh, yeah, and I'm feeling happy because I already know in advance that my Cowboys are going to pull out the W. My Cowboys are going to kill out the W. Of course, by this time, you guys know whether or not that happened. Yep. Um, But, you know, it's normal in in a working environment or family environment to talk about what happens in your day to talk, sure. you know, sort of describe objectively, this is what happened in the day, but or even to go like, I don't like that lens, use this lens, like talk about what's occurring in the moment, the, the, anything, the job, anything, but to talk about how you're feeling about those things, uh, brings a very different level of intimacy and a deepening of relationship, which leads to all sorts of wonderful things. You know, um, it leads to a better, a creative environment it leads to a better place where we can you know truly be ourselves and speak our minds and push each other in different ways where we can be you know kind of raw and honest with each other because we know we have each other's best interest in hearts um and and then we also spend a time where we encourage each other um like you know actively vocally like saying here's the good things about you here's what i appreciate about you mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, that creates a very different kind of working environment. So let me tell you what his session was My, from an outsider. Okay. It was, so basically he got up and I was like, I hope this isn't just some self-help crap. Because <laughs> <laughs> you never know with that stuff, right? Uh, and so he got it up and I was like, but the cool thing is you just went for it. So you didn't just tell me something. You forced us to do it. And I was like, okay, good. So he made us do this exercise where we all had to say something and basically you express those emotions and no one's allowed to give any feedback. Yeah. Just sit there in silence and listen. And then there's another round where you give feedback. And so this is a hundred people who barely know each other <laughs> having to do this really weird, awkward experience. Yeah. And, and like, it took some guts, man. <laughs> it took some guts, but I think it worked out. And then so, so I, I say mean, all that. Uh, how many, uh, how many tears did you see in the room, though? Right. Uh, I didn't remember seeing because I was more focused on my yeah, group. Well, that's good. So, uh, some from a, fr- this was the part where I got to be an outsider because I was not, you know, I, I checked in, um, in front of everybody on stage, you know, boo hooing, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. being quite vulnerable in front of, uh, you know, all hundred people there. Um, but I, I walked around the room and, you know, there was, I don't think I saw a single one of the groups that didn't have at least, you know, one person, uh, showing some heavy emotions or tears, you know? So it, it is the kind of thing where I know it's just, if you're just watching this and you hadn't experienced it, it sounds crazy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, to experience is a, is a whole different thing. Well, I was going to ask you about like creating vulnerability in the office place, a listening environment, but I think maybe we can expand even that idea and say like, as creatives, I think there's a lot of, um, I'm trying to think of a non crude way to say this. (laughs) Um, 
we'll just say ego driven competition. Okay. Um, in our industry yeah. and ego driven dissatisfaction. Yeah, and, and not not that anyone did anything to you, but that because you feel so isolated, you're measuring yourself based on your own ideas of who you should be and and you're not in relationship. You're not in community. And I'm a big believer in community. I think everything you have to do life with people, right? And so how do we as a community of creatives like I know in our studio, we try to work on this. We, we want to get better at it. And, but I do believe like everyone who works here loves working here Yeah, and they love each other. And like the benefit is huge. Like I know if somebody comes in and they're like, I'm having a hard time, like with my house, we're going to talk about that. Like whatever's going on in their home or their marriage. Like we have that. And not only that, but I'll come in and say that sucked. You did bad work. And so it's like iron sharpens iron in every area. How do we as a community kind of get better at this? Because I feel like when I hear a lot of people like, oh, vulnerable moment, I'm like, that wasn't a vulnerable moment. And you're on Facebook. I don't even know that that's not the place. Yeah, it's it's not. You know, it's it's definitely like a place to learn mm -hmm. and to be inspired. Or, or just make fun of people. Or make fun of people. That <laughs> certainly happens a lot on Facebook. Um you know, so I do think that there's some level of like these events like Vision Quest being like a, a place for that to happen. I felt like that was like mainly what happened. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that that's super important um, for anyone who's you know, yeah. uh, desiring that, which should be everyone. Uh, but I also think that that's only going to that's only going to sort of be a, a Band-Aid. Oh, know? totally, because it's not like you can spend thirty thousand dollars a year making friends right like not that that costs thirty thousand but if you i think the amount of this you need in your life far outpaces the amount of opportunities there are to pay money to go to something like that right yeah i mean you know there are other there are other creatives in your city wherever you are so you know find those people and build a relationship with them um, but also just like be real with the other people in your life mm -hmm. who are not part of this this field at all this weird know? subculture yeah maybe they can't understand you know your problems of uh you know weird imbalances of light color but <laughs> they can understand uh you know the the stress or the the creative rut that you're in or whatever it is and can empathize well and they you. probably can understand better than you think yeah i think the biggest thing i see is um there's an there's a lie in people's mind and I don't this idea that I'm super special. And that's the reason that's what's most important about my identity is I'm special and stand out. And because inevitably there will be moments in life that will shake that belief. And when you actually truly have to deal with that, it will really hurt you if that's the core of your identity. You know, people go like, I'm really special and, and, and unique. That is what, drives the creative community. Like that's how workshops are sold. Yeah. You're special. You have a unique vision. Oh, you're special. Don't, don't undersell yourself. You're this value, blah, blah, blah. Okay. What about when the weddings aren't coming in? Right. And you know that if you just charge $500 less that you would actually get booked fully, but you're afraid of what everyone on the Facebook group is going to say about you and what that means about you're not valuing yourself. It's like, no, I'm valuing my hierarchy of values is not, my ego yeah my hierarchy of values is like 
providing for my family. Yeah. And that's very respectable if yeah. you do that. And I think like this, because of these types of problems, I think people end up very much so isolating themselves because they it wouldn't really value, they wouldn't benefit them to be real, at least in their mind. Like I've, and I don't like, I don't have a, there are groups, I won't say them, that are, that meet. I don't know if you have some of these groups, but you know, there are creative groups, especially wedding centric ones that meet. And I know for me, like when I went to the group, I hated it. Mm. I thought it was terrible. And I was like, I am not down with this because these people's values are so different than mine. Their businesses are so much smaller than mine. And so what, what I would say was a, if you're feeling isolated and you need community, um, you're going to have to kill your ego a little bit and you're going to have to figure out a way to actually care that you're adding value to someone else. And that has to be how, and you also have to accept that like you being the smartest and most creative person is not a very good life value. Yeah. And then you get it. And the other thing is this at the same time, it's okay to acknowledge that not every, just because someone shoots a camera means that they are the people you should be in community with. Right. Because what I found there are camera and I'm working on this and I'm actively trying to say like, who are the people that I can have this kind of community with? But I've also found just finding other entrepreneurs, like you had said, who aren't necessarily working in this exact field, but that helps a lot with me as an entrepreneur. Um, you know, I, I think this is a major issue though. in in, in the creative space, yeah, you see a lot of really sad people. Yeah. And you know, to, to your point about that is I think that, um, there's this, there's this big divide between people who are, who are trying to, to grow a business and people who are, you know, trying to sustain themselves through filmmaking those are just like really different things. And usually when it's being described, they're described as the same thing. Mm. You know, uh, it, it's, do you think that's different than someone who's trying to spend their time expressing themselves? Uh, yeah, I do think that's, I mean, that's, I feel like that can be described differently because that's just sort of like, you know, uh, the, the indie filmmaker, you mm-hmm. know, versus like the person who's trying to, you know, for lack of a better word, it's sort of like the mom and pop. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just a very different sort of thing than somebody who's, who's building a studio. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying one's good, one's bad. I'm just no. saying they're totally different. But what I think both need to do is to say, uh, there are things I can learn for my business outside of this industry. And so I need to reach into other industries to learn because there's actually very few people in our industry, like percentage wise, who know anything about running a business, yeah, you know, and it's really just kind of like, I make good films and, uh, and you know, I'm good to people and I treat my clients really well. And you know, that leads to more work for me. But there are, there are so many other things of value that we can learn from other entrepreneurs who are in the tech space or, you know, running the Chinese restaurant across the street over here, you know, like whatever it is, like there's value to be had there. So finding relationship with other entrepreneurs, I think could be really beneficial. Yeah. And I think that's a, we've done all kinds of stuff to do that. And we're lucky enough to, as business owners, because, because when we started, we started our business with commercial side. We always branded it separately. And I, my first hire was a web developer. 
because I like the creative space. I, I mean, I'm a, I came out of bands and yeah, making all my own websites and all my own videos and all my own, everything. So yeah. I'm multidisciplinary when it comes to being a creative. And I was like, I just don't want to limit myself with what I could do and how I can make money. And I enjoy it all. I, I like working with clients. I spend a whole week of my year at a marketing round table for independently owned hardware stores. Huh. Sitting with them and talking to them about marketing their hardware stores. Yeah. You know, like I learned so much from that environment about being efficient and uh, about running a CRM. Right. Just all these things that um, I don't even realize it. It just by osmosis, it works my way into the business. But um, so one of the things I like about you, Jordan, is because you you have certain values that I think extend beyond just make money and definitely beyond be a good artist. You have human values that I think that just comes across in, in how you communicate and how you built your culture. But what would you say to someone who's looking to kind of start a wedding film studio that would be most important beyond learn how to shoot like the stuff that people normally kind of talk about like buying hard drives all that stuff matters but sure the human side of it Where, where's this person i'm trying to like is this like a brand new like i guess i'm, I'm trying to let's get imagine the, the people that always call us and okay. ask us to t give us them advice yeah well I mean, the people who the people who call me and ask for advice or ask for advice on behalf of someone else, which recently happened this week, was like you you first you have to connect with other people locally in this industry, um, and like you know, be there, uh, be be a be a servant, you know, have like a servant's attitude, and just like hey, I want to help you build your business, um, I want to do whatever I can to help. You know, yes, I do want to learn along the way, but I think I will learn best if I'm really helpful to you. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, actually, you know, uh, we have somebody on our staff who came to me that way. Um, and, you know, they were just like, can I work for free for you? And I was like, yes, <laughs> you can. No. <laughs> How dare you? Um, Second shooters need to be paid $500 a day. Don't you know and, that? And, uh, you know, and, and he wanted to, he just wanted to soak up knowledge. He wanted to... Um, you know, to learn how to edit. And so he was in the studio five days a week as an unpaid intern for a couple of months. Oh, and you're like, I'm, you're looking for ways to pay that guy. Absolutely. And, you know, as soon as I had the opportunity, you know, we did. Um, and, uh, you know, so like, that's certainly like a great way to get in and to learn. And um, what about the guy who's running a business who is looking to create a studio? How do they do that? Like what beyond like the obvious logistical challenges that I think a studio has, which maybe we can talk about a little bit, but what's the, cause I think the culture side and the people side is actually much more important to doing it successfully than just do you know how to run a spreadsheet? Yeah. Well, I think it comes back to what I said earlier of we don't, we don't hire other, um, you know, professionals. We're not partnering with other professionals we're looking for really good people, for people who are coachable, who have a dream of doing something in a creative field. And those are the people that we're trying to partner with. And so, you know, that means I'm investing a whole lot of time and money into them. Um, you know, 
I would pay those people while I'm giving them training. You know, we would set up, uh, we'd set up a workshop where we go to a wedding venue and I walk with them through a full wedding day. And what does that look like? Mm-hmm. You know, investing a lot of money into extra equipment so that they'll have uh, the gear that they need whenever they go out. And I'm not relying on kind of rolling the dice on what they choose to bring to, to shoot a wedding. Um, but really like to know that in order to do this right, you have to do it the hard way. Yep. The expensive um, way too. It's hard and it's expensive and it's, it takes a long time. Um, you know, this is, this is the world's worst get quick rich scheme. Yeah. It's, you it's know, not very good at that. Um, and I think it's just really important that if you want to build a studio that is done that way, and it's like, because we did it that way, now I have like this core team of people who are really good at what they do. You know, I will put them against any shooter in our city. Um, and, but also they're very passionate about the work that we do. They're very passionate about the team mm-hmm. that they're a part of. And uh, we work together amazingly well. I mean, we just filmed, we just made our, uh, we've, we've finally finished production and we've mm-hmm. been doing some um, some screenings at uh, some, you know, uh, some, some really cool theaters all around Texas um, for our first feature length documentary. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was made with a really small team of people. You know, it's five people worked on this film, really. I mean, we had a few PAs and stuff like that. But really, five people made this feature-length film. That's, you know, I think really impressive. And, what a, and like, when you think about that, kind of doesn't matter even if it's good or does well in terms of what that means for the culture of your company. Because... That's an experience that some of those people will treasure for their whole life. Absolutely. They will always remember that and think about that, and they'll be like, we did this. Yep. And I think... That's our film up there on the marquee, mm-hmm. you know? And, we, like, we got to we got to have it on this marquee of this historic theater. Like, that's really cool. I made this. Like, yeah. And I think when you can start to use the we language instead of the me language, and that's what I was really saying about ego is this will set you free. You need to speak in terms of we sometimes and not just me, your family, your friends, your teammates. Even like when I look, the best part about going to Vision Quest is like now I feel like I have a we. Yeah. Because we're out here alone. We don't have other creatives and we have each other and that's great. Yeah. So I don't feel isolated or I don't feel the loneliness that some other people feel. But I definitely know now that there are other people running businesses like mine. We kind of talked about the details of our business but the irony is there's so many similarities it's crazy yeah and you're like oh there's a we yeah i i did not know that you existed before that and it was like awesome to find you because i was like oh wow this is really cool because you you know you started it before that we did you know um and it's just cool to like because it is sort of a as an entrepreneur and you know you're blessed to also have like an equal partner in this you know but it's it's hard when you can't and you expressed this to me before like when you can't relate it to anybody else Mm -hmm. um so that's been a joy for sure and i found that same joy like in my relationship with joe schweitzer um who you know certainly a different business model but it's a studio type Mm -hmm. team that does weddings and corporate events and same thing with uh with with Aaron Tharp and I actually haven't met Joey, who's the the owner of the company, but you know, these guys who are really building studios that are in both of these spaces, high quality culture centered 
environments yes. that are around people. They're yeah. not based, based around money. They're not based around doing the most possible weddings. Every year we may have the, have the question, how many weddings can I do and still do my product and treat my people right? Yeah. And like, that's unique. I think that is what's unique. And it's really about when I think of the we, which is my team. And then I think of the we, which is my industry. And then the people who do it like me. And it's like, the more I can expand myself beyond the bounds of myself, the more happy I am. Yeah. The more I am become in, enclosed and, in, and, and internalize my, all my emotions and my feelings and my, even my self image. Like think about how crazy that is. If somebody is in this place in their life where they, have so little feedback from the universe and from their community and all the people around them that they're literally measuring their own self-worth based on the content that they release on the internet. Hmm. That's horribly unhealthy. Yeah. Like as a human being, it's not a good business model either because other creatives aren't giving you money by the way. So if they like your work, it kind of, it matters a little, but <laughs> it's like, a dopamine hit, you know, yep. oh, I got a heart on that one. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> like, this guy I really respect commented, great work. Yeah. Literally, he, he might have been like, watch two seconds of it. Cool, dude. I hope he buys my lot now. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally, that could have happened. Yeah. And, and like, and, and they, for us as creatives, you have to find people that expand you. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. So talk a little bit about Film Mavericks um, and kind of that journey a little bit. And for any for anybody that's interested... He also runs he did, Film Mavericks is a commercial film company yeah. slash corporate work, right? Yeah, yeah, commercial and documentary. Um, and we've done a, we've done a number of short documentaries this year too, so it is a new space. When I say this year, like twenty nineteen, you know. Um, but Ladybird got to the point where I I really didn't need to do much for the company anymore. You know, I I have not filmed. A wedding in over a year um and i'm not like done with weddings i'll probably do some next year you know we did i don't know 120 or something weddings as a team this year but i didn't film any of them um and and also it didn't need me a whole lot in the office either because i was i was sort of like trying to get to this place of like business maturity where it could run without me mm -hmm. And I, I used the birth of my uh, my third child as a sort of a test run for that. You know, like I completely stepped away for uh, for two weeks, maybe a little bit longer, um, when my son was born. I love that it's two weeks. Because <laughs> other people are like, I totally stepped away for six months. Yeah. Like yeah, when yeah. you're running yeah. what we run, it's like two weeks out of the office. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Terrifying. No doubt. And it was. Um, but I like, I didn't check in with anybody. Um, I didn't hear from anybody. And when I got back, uh, you know, there was, there was a pile of checks on the desk that needed to be deposited. There were from new bookings that had happened. There was a stack of weddings that I needed to review. Cause I do like, I watch every wedding film before it goes out. Yep. So there was a stack of wedding films that had been edited that need me to watch it before it goes out. Um, but I like everything kept running perfectly well um, in my absence. And that was just like incredible. And I was like, okay, this company does not need much help from me anymore. Um, how amazing does that make you feel like you feel like they're supporting you? Absolutely. Like, yeah. like the, the, you, you now, because you've built that team have people that are giving back to you. Yeah. It's huge. Absolutely. But it was, it was that 
realization that said, okay, I can really throw my energy into starting something new now. Because as an entrepreneur, I just love starting new things. Like it's really hard for me to, to sit still. It's hard for me to do uh, the same thing. I, I know there's a pattern in my life of like every you know, two to three years, I have to change something up significantly mm. in order to feel satisfied. And so this was, you know, that timing had come up and I'm like, all right, let's start something new. So, um, yeah, that was sort of the, the birth of film Mavericks, um, was, was that realization that now I have the freedom to start something new. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of different phases in this first, it's only a year and a half old at this point. Um, is, do you have a content, uh, like do you have a show? We do have a show. Um, yeah, the Film Maverick Show. We have a podcast. We did for we did this podcast for about two years under a different name, Wedding Film Academy. I was like, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we had like, you know, more than 100 shows up. But, uh, you know, there was a lot that went into like realizing I need to shift my focus into other areas. And part of it was just like, this start, it's starting to feel like work now. And I was doing this for fun, and now it's starting to feel like a lot of work. And, does it, and, and it doesn't pay like work. And it, and it, well, yeah, exactly. I am I love work if, when it pays, you know. But this was like a fun hobby, and then all of a sudden it wasn't a fun hobby anymore as much. And so now it's like I'll create a show whenever I want to, whenever I feel like it, and it feels like it would be fun and good news to do it. And usually that just means like if I'm in person with somebody. Who's cool, um, who you want to get their message out to the world. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we do have a show, we have a YouTube channel. Um, but the, the primary work that we're doing now is two things. One is we want to, we want to do both short and feature length documentaries. We're about to start on our second feature length documentary, which I'm like super stoked is about. Is that secret? Can you give us any info? Uh, I can give you a little bit of info. So it's actually sort of a, it's going to be sort of a mockumentary. Okay. And it's a tech startup who's hired us. Uh, this tech startup got, you know, um, about, you know, uh, I, I don't know exactly what the number is, but somewhere between five and $10 million in funding. Is it, it's not Pied Piper, right? It's not Pied Piper. <laughs> um, so anyways, but they, they got this. It's crazy how the tech world works. They got all this money, you know, more than $5 million in funding without a product. I mean, I know how that works. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's so if um, you've never gotten to the world of like VCs or whatever, it will blow your mind, the stuff that yeah. happens. <laughs> they had a really good team, a really talented team that they put together and said, we have an idea. They said, okay, here's $5 million. You know, So they're giving us a chunk of that and saying, uh, okay, let's make this documentary. And it's going to be a documentary about this new uh, technology that they created. Um, because they, they created this technology when they were working for another company, mm -hmm. uh, an, a company that is an app that's on every one of your phones. I guarantee it. Yep. I won't say what it is, um, but I guarantee you it's on all your phones and you're paying them, you know, 15 bucks a month. You know how, do you, um, do you use Slack? Uh, I use Slack. Do you yeah. know where Slack came from? Where? Slack was the communication. It was like a part of a video game. They made this really terrible video game yeah. and the team that made it made like a, like a thing you could use in the game to talk to other people. Okay. And the game fell apart. And then they were like, this part was pretty good. <laughs> and that's how Slack. That's funny. Yeah. Anyway, so they were slacking, kind of, playing the game. Yeah. So that's, that's where the name came from And then from it became too. like that's the funny. most ubiquitous tool ever. Yeah. That's awesome. But anyway, it's, it's, they, they're, they're, uh, they're a startup, so they have like, they're they're also like you know they're in their thirties. Um, 
They've got a lot of energy. They're they're quirky. So they actually want to kind of like a, make a mockumentary. So we've been actually on the plane over. I was like writing up a bunch of script ideas because we're going to sort of model it after The Office. You know, The Office was filmed like it was a documentary. Yeah. Um, and so we're taking a lot of sort of themes from The Office. Um, and so it's 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 going to be a really, really fun project that we're just stoked about. Well, when you think about like getting paid to do something like that. Yeah. It just it doesn't seem fair. Yeah, because like this is going to be I mean, we're going to get to do a lot of a lot of travel and we're going to I mean, we're I'm on the script. I'm on the on the airplane typing on my iPad like, you know, laughing uh, you know, writing up this this these script ideas showing Marshall, and, you know, we're cracking up on the plane. It's just like this is really fun and I feel super fulfilled creatively uh-huh. doing this. I I forgot how much I love writing actually. Yeah. Cuz I used to write a lot. I had a blog that I ran for a long time and I loved it and I just kind of, I haven't done it in like, I don't know, five, six years. That's one of my life dreams is to write a lot and then yeah. I just don't. Yeah. I just forgot how much I love it and I feel like I'm, you know, I'm afraid of what it. would happen if I wrote all the time. Yeah. <laughs> because like, people would just, know what you're thinking. Well, no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> people would really know because I get like super clarity when I'm writing. Yeah. And then I'd be like, I didn't want to say that. Yeah, that's the great thing about writing, though, is like you do get a lot more clarity. Um, so you're doing this, you're making a documentary, um, and then, of course, here's what I'm always interested in with people who are doing commercial work. What have you found to be, because this is new to you, right? Yeah. We've been doing commercial work for about eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, in my opinion, the hardest part about doing commercial work is getting clients yeah like because of all different reasons like it's so much more political than if you're a wedding filmmaker yeah we did a pitch for a hospital in boston and it the they the process was i would say borderline dehumanizing Hmm. yeah to get the job and (laughs) did you get the job no yeah no the amount of work i had to do to not get the job is ridiculous yeah and that happens all the time, I've experienced. It does, yeah. I mean, you know, I work up these, you know, five-page, like, beautifully designed PDFs, Yeah. you know, um, or, like, now, recently, I've started building uh, pages on our website that sort of function like the way our PDF before that worked, where it's, like, more interactive, and, you know, it's got all these videos implanted in it that are, that are sort of, like, themes and examples of what we could do, whether it's our work or somebody else's, and we're just saying, like, Here's a treatment. It's kind of a mood board, right? It's yeah. a it's a, a video version of a mood board. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the crazy thing is like there's a ton of what's essentially pre-production that goes in where you're sort of rolling the dice, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and, and they, when, when I hear people say something like, oh, blah, 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 I don't do spec work. And I'm like, you don't, have you ever got a commercial job? You Like, you have to. Yeah. You don't get to just show up and be like, like, oh, people should, like maybe some people do. But like most of us yeah. that are in this field, we're showing up and we're having to always sing for our supper. And that to me is, is really hard. So for you, with this kind of experience, what has that been like having to grow? Like basically you had weddings down. Right. You knew exactly what you had to do. You probably still do. You're still getting the clients. How does What was it like to kind of just jump into this whole new thing? We had a really bold and, you know, weird plan for how to do this um i 
I had been watching a lot of Seinfeld's show, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. And I was just like looking at this and like, you know, looking up some stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, he's getting paid 10 million an episode to do this. And like, this is the most like basic production ever. Have you seen the show? Uh, yeah, it's like. It's, it's like super basic, you know, it's like, you know, a few GoPros up inside the you car. You could probably set cameras up rolling with enough hard drive space and leave. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that show could be recorded. Yeah. And, you know, so we would, uh, we, we decided, hey, let's produce a show that is shot in that same style, but it's for local entrepreneurs. And we're going to like target people who we think have like a high capacity to and need to hire us. And so it'll be a great way, like I can build a relationship with this entrepreneur. Love that idea. Um, and do yeah, do it. Absolutely. I can build a great relationship with this entrepreneur. They can see my crew and how we work together. They'll see our final product that we made for them. And I'm giving them free value. Mm -hmm. This is a piece of video content that they can use to promote them, their business. As Terrell Owens says, I loves me some me. <laughs> well, you know that everybody that, likes to hear themselves talk. That plays that plays into it for sure. I mean, like, you know, we all uh, any entrepreneur. There's there's a level of pride there, and I don't even mm -hmm. speak of that negatively. No, no, I mean, no. Like, yeah, totally. You know, and uh, and people want to tell their story, but you know, it's a lot cooler if they can have somebody else tell their story for them instead of like. Well, they might not even guy. be good storytellers, but they're good people with good ideas. Yeah. So that was uh, that was really how we got that kicked off, and I think we did what did we do like eight episodes of that or something like that, eight or ten episodes, um, and you know it cost me like about a thousand dollars an episode uh, to produce between you know having my crew there and then like editing it and everything, you know. So it was it was kind of a bold and weird marketing strategy, um, but I mean it definitely produced some fruit, you know. I mean we had. Uh, you know, we actually had one, one person who, you know, I didn't reach out to, to be on the show. Cause I didn't think that they were like a good fit for us in terms of like being like a retainer type client or something, but they wanted to be on the show. They called and said, Hey, can I be on the show? And I said, okay, five grand, you know, so that paid for like half of the season. Um, so, you know, it's kind of a wash at that point. And then, uh, you know, we had another, a uh, couple of people, uh, who signed on to some bigger contracts um, you know, some like twenty five, thirty thousand dollar contracts that came from it. Um, one of them who like sort of put it on hold for a while because things weren't going good in their business, but they actually just called me like this week and they're going to start it back up. So that's exciting. Um, and then like one of those people, like the first episode that we did, that person just recently booked me for, uh, you know, it'll be like a two and a half day, actually really like uh, basically a two day project that'll be about twelve thousand um, dollars so it definitely it worked you know it it didn't work as well as i hoped it would but it, it definitely got us going and well and with commercial work you're dealing with three-year cycles that's the thing is that uh you know with commercial work you're planting these seeds that are going to take a long time to germinate and it, you're going to have to you're going to have to really be a gardener you know oh. you have to tend those things a long time and that's really the painful part. And, it's painful. Uh, you know, I mean, I've I've had a lot of down times, like, you know, sort of like personally, I shared this at Vision Quest, like a lot of like self-doubt. Yeah, yeah. 
um, I because think, they take a long time for those things to germinate. But you know, when they do, uh, when the, when when the the plant pops up, usually it's pretty good. So one of the biggest things for my business is about forty percent of our revenue is commercial. Nice. And that, and about you know whatever percentage of that is on retainer. Yeah. And and that's changes how a wedding business runs because wedding businesses are so seasonal and they're feast and famine and and you're looking at this and it also changes who you can hire yeah. in your company because you can start hiring people who are good at certain things but not other things that actually really are nice value adds you start to seeing what they add to your culture and what they what they do for the type of work you're open to even taking and so i know this is that's always been our business model as well and you know but we're not amazing at getting new clients partially because we honestly can barely service the clients we have in terms of time. Like we're right. like, we're doing it and we're, I think we're doing it well, but I am always like, if we get one more person, I'm just going to have to hire someone. It's going to be a wash. And then I'm going to lose. I'm just basically going to yeah, I mean, zero. That is like the thing, right? Like when you're talking about some of these clients, like a lot of times, um, you know, like one one good commercial project can pay for a new salary. Mm-hmm. Um, it needs to sometimes to even do the work, right? Um, because like now you have to go get the other one in order to actually make any money off of that. Yep. You know, um, but it is kind of an interesting thing, and that was sort of my thought process on one of the strategies that we had, which was let's build YouTube channels for companies. Mm-hmm. You know, so company wants to start a YouTube channel, but they don't have anybody who could do anything decent, and they don't want to put you know, crappy stuff and make their business look like crap because, you know, they've got a iPhone uh, video on their, on their YouTube channel and a whole bunch of them. So we'll shoot these things in batch, you know, we might shoot a dozen videos in a day. And so it makes it like more affordable. It also makes it easier for them because their time's really valuable. So they can take, you know, four days out of the year and have a full YouTube channel. Yep. Um, That's a great idea. But uh, that was sort of like part of my, my thinking of that is, okay, you know, uh, signing one of those means I can hire another editor, but uh, it's only going to take up you know this much of his time. Then that gives me this much of extra stuff that I can have them do to add you know sort of free value. Um, so you know it's definitely still a process. Like I would really like us to have another eight of those contracts more than we have now. Um, but you know we're only a year and a half into it, so I don't yep. feel too bad. No, and it's like. It's hard. And so this is why I brought this up. Um, and we're, we'll kind of wrap it up soon. But like, if you're moving into commercial work, um, which I assume a lot of wedding professionals aspire to do. They should. Yeah. But I assume they do. Um, if you are doing that, and if it's hard, and if it, you realize it's way harder than weddings, um, first of all, stop complaining guys about weddings they're awesome it's like free money in a lot of ways <laughs> just do a good job and people will hire you be nice to people people will hire you you don't even need to be that smart or that good of a business person to make a living off weddings you can there's a limit but like man you can just <laughs> if you do a good job and you're nice to people you can build a very respectable career in weddings that is not true of commercial work you need to be you need to, you, you, it's almost like you can do a mediocre job, but you have to be, know how to sell. Yeah. And I, and like get the right relationships, be nice enough, but not so personal that people come across as it it's, and then they still might not hire you. Like 
I am actually in charge of purchasing for a company, media purchase, mm. not a hundred percent, but like basically anything that gets bought for their marketing is because I tell them they should buy it. Yeah. And I always say to people, I'm not looking for this. Call me next year. Yeah. I'm like, it's not in the year. It's not in the budget for the year. It's not in our priorities. We're not going to buy this media or this advertising campaign or call me next year. Yeah. Like that is how companies work. Yeah. They'll be like, you call them up. Oh, I would, oh, Hey, I love your work. It's really great. I'd love to work with you sometime. That could literally in their mind mean in the next five years. Yeah. Not, but they, not only that, they will forget about you the second you leave the room. Yeah. And so and like, that's you, why that cultivating of those relationships is so important. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, there's, there's someone who uh, we made one of these episodes of and uh, you know, afterwards he told me, you know, he was sort of like interested in the idea of doing a documentary. And this is a, a company in the medical field. Um, it's, he just got awarded the fastest growing company in Austin, Texas. Like this is a, that means really, something. yeah, this is a really impressive company. And, you know, I got to create the show for the CEO. Uh, he's not actually the CEO anymore. He's like the chairman of the board, you know, but he's the guy who started it. Um, and, you know, he said, I think we should make a documentary about this. Well, in my mind, I'm like, all right, let's go. Oh, yeah. Let's, here we go. Let's, let's, let's do, do it. it, you know. And, uh, you know, I I still believe that it will happen. Um, he actually uh, he actually came to the theater uh, in Austin that showed our documentary. So mm -hmm. I invited him to that and he and his wife came and watched the, watched our documentary film. He had great things to say afterwards, um, you know, and so we're like still cultivating that relationship. And, you know, uh, honestly, like I just take so much value from the relationship in general, in general, because, you know, he built a company that's the fastest growing in Austin, Texas. Yeah, he has value to you just yeah, by knowing you. Yeah, absolutely. And I've just gained a ton of wisdom from being around him. But I also really want to make this documentary. You know? yep. And so, um, you know, there's a cultivation of that relationship that has to continue to happen. Mm -hmm. I would say the, the biggest difference, this is why weddings to me are like fish in a barrel. Because it's a captive audience with a finite time to book you that has the money and desire, it's a perfect storm of sales. The person's calling you. They're emotionally driven by what you have. They have a deadline and a budget. Yeah. And it's between you and someone else, and hopefully it's you. But it's pretty easy. It's so much easier uh, on the on the sales side of things. Oh, yes. Because um, it's someone's dream. Yeah. Like you're, and, like, and, and it's something I love, too, so it's easy. That commercial side... There is sometimes no timeline. It's literally something like, yeah, that'd be cool to have. Yeah. They don't really need it. They definitely don't want to spend the money on it right. a lot of times. Um, and you have to really sell like the, the, the ROI on it. Mm -hmm. And that's the tricky part and where uh, most people are going to really struggle is to help them see tangibly what is the ROI on this? How does this make me money? Yeah. So that is the big thing. I remember there was one client who, um, or, you know, potential client that had come in and uh, we were pitching a big job to them and they got all kind of hyped up and excited about it. And then I go to the next meeting with them where they're going to sign the contract. I've got the paper in my bag, you know, and uh, it's, it's the cold feet thing. And I realized it's because he is unsure about whether this is going to make a return on his investment. Yeah. And he might have a, they might have like a board that they have to go in front of. Well, this was a smaller company, so it, it didn't, he was the decision maker. Mm -hmm. Um, but, 
uh, it was a it was a you know it was a big contract. I think it was you know in the range of twenty five to thirty thousand dollar contract, and so it's a significant thing, especially for a guy who's really. I mean, he was basically a it was more or less an e commerce site, you know, um, and. Uh, I had to like sit there and sort of like coach him, like financially coach him through his business. Like, okay, talk to me about your sales. Like, what is what does a sale mean to you? Okay, um, so that's what one sale means. Um, you know, how many sales do you think uh, one of these videos would generate for you? You know, start, start talking through them, things like that. And I say, okay, well, let's take that, but then let's be super, super, super conservative. Let's say that this only gets you in the course of a year, and we made 52 you know, of these little YouTube videos for you. In the course of a year, let's say you only got uh, you know, eight of these. After 52 videos, you only got eight contracts. You just 10X your money. you know. And so at that point, it was like obvious, like, oh yeah. And I actually told him, because we kind of got to that point in the, in the relationship over lunch where I feel like I kind of like jab him a little bit. So I kind of told him, I was like, Honestly, dude, you're crazy if you don't do this. Yeah. You know, and it, and it worked, you know, and he signed the contract right You there. have to be willing to play a game that you're a lot of wedding professionals are unwilling to play. And it's just, it's so much more of understanding the value of what you're really understanding. Cause a lot of people are like, Oh, understand the value. And I kind of have a problem with this when it comes to wedding films, like your value, I mean, your value is nothing actually leak like you have you're not like it's emotional and that's it yeah you're not like i'm a commercial i do commercial work and i know what that means when i say value i'm think dollars and cents i am making you money yeah i'm not happy if i'm not making you money and that's what i tell everybody if this doesn't make you money i'm not happy if they have an idea that's bad and it's not gonna make them money i say i don't want to make that for you because that's not gonna make you money and you're gonna hate me yeah. You're going to fire me. You're never going to hire me again. I'm not interested in one job. I want multiple jobs. I want you to be my, I want to be your go-to. And like, that takes me understanding how they make money. It takes me understanding how Facebook marketing works and YouTube marketing works and how the return on those investments even happens. And wh- how, where does a sale happen? Where does a call to action happen? Right. Like I have to have a vision for how they're going to deploy it. Like that's been my big thing is like, we do some videos for like, Oh, it's a, a person comes in, they say, Hey, I want you to make a little video of my uh, salon. Yeah, cool. I'll make a little tour video. I'll have one of my guys come down. We'll whip together a little one hour tour. I don't have a problem making that stuff. Yeah. Cause I have a guy to do it. But if somebody's like, I have this thing I want to make. And I think, well, I don't think this is going to make him any money. Like, I'll just say it. Yeah. Like I- I'll just say, it and I'll try to get it there because I feel like that shows the people that I care. Right. That shows people that I care. And like how you do that with commercial work is so different than weddings. And if you're new to it, it will come as a absolute shock. It will, you will feel either so uncomfortable because you actually don't understand their business and you only know how to make beautiful stuff. Or you will feel so uncomfortable because you will feel like you're being pushy and demanding or a little assert, like assertive in ways that you would never had to be like calling them crazy if they don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You you have to be willing to kind of, and it's so much more risks because you can literally just like, I know for a fact, if I send a creative treatment to someone and they don't like it, they will never call me again. Yeah. And it's over. Like that's, I can keep trying. I I'll tell you a personal story of me failing. 
one time kind of feeling i kind of don't really care about it but <laughs> but they had this guy he said come in and do this thing and he wanted uh some marketing help and i, I knew we could do a good job so I, I did a little research on their business and i came in and i said hey here's where i think your storytelling is wrong and why it's confusing and you have three brands and i don't see the cohesion i don't see the why like they had a process of making their food and i'm like you say it in the sign but nowhere do you have pictures of how it works it doesn't even, why is this better? Yeah. Why am I going to pay f five times more than average price? Because you made it this way. And so I thought I had good ideas and I communicated this to them. Well, of course, at the end they say, well, send me a, a bunch of your work and a brief and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, I'm just sing for my supper, bro. Like you called me, yeah. you brought me out here. You like my work enough to have it. Like, but I was like, and this is my mistake, actually. My mistake was saying I would do it. What I should have said to him was, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't need your money. So if you want it. Yeah, you called me here. Called me here. <laughs> like, but anyway, I said I would, and I took longer to do it. And I finally got to him. He's like, oh, we're not interested in working with you. You didn't do what you said. And it was, I honestly forgot. And I was like, it's an honest mistake. I apologize. But that is what will happen in commercial work. Yeah. Like, like they just they don't care about me they're not emotionally attached to me like a bride is going to be when she calls me like some brides feel like if they don't get you that like that's going to ruin their wedding yeah those companies do not feel that way about you yep they're just like eh, if it works out like at best right. <laughs> at best they're like if it works out at worst they're like oh, i have to buy this freaking video I don't want to buy this stupid thing. Somebody on the team, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That will sh absolutely blow your mind. So if you're looking in, I'm not trying to dissuade you from getting into commercial work. If you're listening to this, <laughs> I'm just being real with you. Don't be shocked. Gird your loins, young man. Yeah. <laughs> Get ready to go in there. Cause, cause you're in the, for the fight of your life. If you can do it though, I can tell you for us, I know I have a quarter of my money every year, no matter what happens Yeah. on retainer just floating in yep, and that's life-changing yeah for absolutely. your business that'll change so many things and so hey jordan i just want to thank you so much for coming yeah um good discussion super exciting to watch the patriots game with thanks you for the tickets yeah it's gonna be a blast yeah so um definitely why don't you tell everybody where they can find you throughout the internet yeah uh the best place is film mavericks if you look up uh film mavericks it's actually kind of hard to find because uh, i realized after i named it that there was like this huge youtuber that's like maverick films oh yeah um but anyways film mavericks.com film mavericks on uh instagram facebook we have we have a actually really like amazing facebook group of people who are like generally positive um so film mavericks on facebook uh and youtube i don't really fit in on his facebook group yeah, no. I'm He's not. from Boston, so, you We're know. abrasive. Um, <laughs> and what about your wedding stuff? Uh, Ladybird Studios, ladybirdstudios.com. Again, Ladybird Studios at all the normal places. Uh, we didn't have to, like, add any weird numbers or anything on nice, nice. Instagram or anything like that. So uh, yeah. I pretty much named my business based on being able to get the .com. That's what you have to do. Whenever I'm thinking about any new business venture, it's, yeah, you go to, to GoDaddy or something. Yep. Yep. Um, ironically, our .com was blacklisted on Facebook for about eight years, so, <laughs> which we found that out later. Anyway, hey, thank you so much for checking out the Wedding Pros podcast. Um, definitely subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that bell. Hit the like button. Yes, like us, share us. If you hated us. this, then you wouldn't be here now, but hit it twice, right? Yeah, and Another also, thing. if you hate it, 
just just write a mean comment i just encourage you to somebody needs to write a mean comment on this guy's <laughs> page we've had a few people we had one person <laughs> people are so brutal we had this guy go like jared was we were talking about building our dream rig and jared mentioned the camera and he just mistakenly said 4k 120 I think I, I think I watched that show. Yeah, he yeah. just said it. I remember laughing and I was like, yeah. <laughs> he, was just mistake, he just said it because he was thinking about the, um, the Ursa. Yeah, yeah. And he just said it. And then I was like, eh, nobody will notice it. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. one guy. Videographers, they know about their specs. He was so like, that's not that. Get it right. <laughs> and I was like, ah, it's YouTube. Can't upload a new file. Yep. So, <laughs> sorry, guys. Hey, anyway, thanks for checking it out and have a wonderful day.